This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. This morning as we, as we begin the conference, really, we've talked about this theme. You've talked about it here, declaring his glory among the heathen. And uh, as I was looking at that passage over the last few weeks and, and, and thinking about that in my own Bible reading, I've been going through the Old Testament in the, in, the, in the moments preceding that chapter. It is really amazing to stop and look at all that God has done. We talk about declaring his glory uh, when you look at who God is and what he has done and you look at his story in the Old Testament of what he did among his people, his covenant nation, that he, 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 he raised them up, he called them, and he raised them up to be a light to the nations. And you look at all that he did, and in, in, that, in that particular story where the Ark of the Covenant was finally brought back, the Ark of the Testimony, it was a place where Israel met with their God in person where the, the, the Ten Commandments were kept there and that testimony of, of deliverance and of God's protection and provision kept inside that ark. And as they were many times not really rightly related to it, you saw how they tried to uh, use it in different ways and, and, and they were judged for that. But in that particular chapter where it has been brought back into their midst, David has brought it back into in Jerusalem and he, he composes this psalm of praise the outflow of what God was doing has always been from the beginning that his people know him, that they be able to walk in his presence, have fellowship with him, and then to declare that to the nations of this world. And that, that verse, declaring his glory, is all through the Old Testament. You know, you know the Great Commission, getting the gospel around the world, did not start in the New Testament. It's been all through scriptures that God wants a relationship with his people, that he was going to make a way for their sins to be dealt with, and then that those people in that renewed relationship with him be a light and a testimony to the world of what God intended for their life. And, and that is really, as we, as we fathom this idea of declaring his glory, it begs the question, how do we do this? In that particular story, uh, you see David rejoicing as he brought the ark in and he's dancing and leaping. There's celebrations, sacrifices, and there's much there. But do you know today in the United States, in this world, in 2022, we, we as believers, I think sitting here this morning, I don't think any of us are complete strangers to the gospel and, and what God is doing. But, you know, we need to ask ourselves this question, how do we go about doing this? As, as missionaries, we've stepped into a world that's different. I did not grow up in a ministry home. I grew up seeing missionaries come in and loving and playing with the knickknacks and collecting prayer cards along with my baseball cards. You know, we collected missionary cards in our family. And I saw that, and we agreed with it, and we would pray for them. We'd have them in our home, and, and it was exciting. It was neat. We'd read the different missionary biographies. But as God has been working in my family's heart and calling us into this full-time role, you know, not, not no longer doing my, my trade and, 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 and being involved, but to leaving, leaving that and going into full-time mission work, it's been, Lord, how do we do this? And, you know, it's been encouraging just to realize that it's the same way that you do everything else. It's by looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by looking to the Word of God and letting God direct your steps in those things. And this morning, I want to share with you a principle that is kind of uh, it, it also is a way of introducing the ministry in Cameroon, but also just to remind us of a principle that I believe is foundational into the how we do what God has called us to do when it comes to declaring his glory. You can turn to Mark chapter 5 in your Bible this morning. 
Mark chapter 5. I was first introduced to the mission field of Cameroon in 2008 as I was in Bible college at that time, and, uh, which was a step of faith for me. I had never intended to go to Bible college. I was either going to follow my dad's footsteps in the family business there or uh, follow what my dad had done in, in the United States military. That's how we grew up, and that was for my plans. But as God uh, got a hold of my heart and began to deliver me from the different difficulties and sins and fears of my teenage years, uh, he began to make it plain that he wanted me to be yielded to telling others about his plan. And, and uh, as I began to wrestle with that in college, uh, I, I was presented with this need to uh, do an internship for my college years, and I did not know where to go. I, this whole missions idea, how do you pick where to go as a missionary? You know, you look at all these flags represented, and when you really understand how God wants to see people saved, everywhere is a good spot. And I, and I think once you get the heart of missions the, the difficult thing is where, because everywhere is a mission field, and everywhere is a great place to go, and God began to just direct our paths, and, and I'll give some of that testimony maybe more at a later time, but God connected me with Cameroon in 2008, got to go over there for four months, and really understand what God was doing there, and working with a veteran missionary, uh, but at that point in time, I, you know, was not looking into full-time missions. I was burdened and wanted to just do whatever God wanted me to do. God led us through different ways and means over the years. Was there again for six months in 2015 as a family. At that time, we were self-employed. I have a brother on the field. We were there with short-term projects. But I began, I, became, I was introduced at that time to this principle in Mark chapter 5 that we're going to talk about, which I'm going to say for just simplicity's sake, let's, say, let's use this phrase, telling your story. So declaring his glory is one, is one thing we say, but also telling your story. And I'll just say this at the front end. Telling your story is, is, is specific. It has a specific explanation of what it means, but the simple explanation of it is that it is really telling his story. It is telling what he has done. And in the mission field of Cameroon, as we were there, we got to know different national pastors, and one particular pastor I was close to, spent time with in different outreaches and in the bush, and heard his testimony of how God had saved him in his 20s. He was a stonemason working on a project there in Cameroon, and one of the missionaries began witnessing to him, one of the other national pastors, and he trusted Christ and began taking steps to, be, to study the Bible and to grow. And that's a common testimony there where you see people get saved and they have a hunger to grow, the burden among those folks is, is, is a heavy burden because they know where God has saved them from. And this morning, I want you to stop and think about this. If you're sitting here this morning, maybe you've been saved a week, maybe you've been saved 50 years. Uh, do you remember what it was like the first time you heard the gospel? How that Christ died for your sins. How God left heaven, took on earthly form, died in the flesh for your sins. And that he was buried, that he rose again. And that if you'd believe on him, if you'd trust him for forgiveness of your sins, you not only have your sins forgiven, but a home in heaven and a relationship with him. And it's an amazing story if you've never heard it before. That Jesus Christ died for every single one of your sins. That that biggest problem you have, which is not economic, educational, even a physical health, it's that sin problem. That Jesus Christ died and his blood washes away those sins. And as you get around new believers and they've heard that story for the first time, the burden on their hearts is, I have friends and family that need to understand this too. And we need to get this to them. And, and a burden in Cameroon, 
the current burden, and, and there's been many challenges over the years in that mission field, but God has been doing a work. I think some of the conflicts there are because the devil hates what God has been doing there. Uh, but on the English side of the country specifically, God has really been doing a work of seeing the gospel spread. But the burden in that country among this first generation of, of, of national pastors and evangelists that God has raised up and established there is that the gospel needs to go to every creature in Cameroon. Everybody in Cameroon needs to hear the gospel. Where do, we, where, where do they get that idea from? You know, I think we, we're so used to what, we've, what God has done in our life that we forget that we are actually commissioned to get the gospel to every person on this earth in this generation. God wants everyone alive today to hear the gospel. The second part of that burden is that every village needs to have a local New Testament church established. And the third part of that is that there needs to be a pastor in every one of those churches. And all of that, that burden there, when you stop and actually apply it to a whole country... That is God's will for the country of Cameroon. That is God's will for every country, that everybody hear the gospel, that there be a local New Testament congregation of believers gathering to grow in, in their obedience and in the likeness of Christ, and that there be established, established churches in those places. You know, you look at the book of Acts, and that's what the apostles did. They went out and they saw those, and God raised up from among those villages people to carry on the work of the ministry. It is an impossible burden but when you understand the darkness of the lost man's condition, how can you come to any other conclusion other than what do we have to do to get this accomplished? What do we have to do to get the gospel? And as you look at the scriptures, the Great Commission literally says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So literally, Jesus told his disciples to go and teach and disciple them and ground them in everything he has commanded them, which includes the Great Commission. And that idea being literally this, that it's not just the first disciples that were told to go and preach and ground disciples. It's every person who trusts Christ is to be grounded in what Jesus told them, which is to give the gospel and teach and disciple. Every believer is called to have a part in getting the gospel to every creature. Every Christian is called to have a part in the establishing and grounding of mature believers in a local church, and every believer is called to this. Not, every, not everyone is a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary to Cameroon, but every one of us as followers of Christ is to have a part in this process of declaring his glory among the heathen, every one of us. Now, we know that. We've heard this. If we've been in church, we know this, and we would say we agree with this, but the how to perform that which is good, sometimes we find not. And I remember that time in 2015, this particular chapter made a big difference in my life. And we were over there seeking God's will, but also just involved in some specific projects, praying. We didn't know if God wanted us to go there full time. We were praying about that. And about partway through, we came to the conclusion that we weren't supposed to come back full time, which how does that work? You go to the mission field and decide you're not supposed to come back. And it was really confusing to me. I was wrestling with that. Our church in Illinois didn't even have a pastor at the time, and I was wrestling through this, and my brother in Cameroon, Pastor Ernest, said, Brother Chris, maybe God brought you here to learn some of these principles so you could go back to your own village and teach them there. Maybe God taught you what you needed to be here, and he was fulfilling that missionary burden of establishing and grounding others for the sake of the gospel going all over, and he had as much of a heart for my village as a foreign missionary would have for the villages that they're going to, and it was amazing to me to see that. So let's look at this principle specifically. Let's, what are we talking about here? Mark chapter 5, 
I hope this story is familiar to you. I learned this probably the first time from a set of Betty Lucan's flannel graph. How many of you know what that is? Yeah. Probably you've seen this story, and all I remember is the, the crazy man. You know, in, in the flannel graph, he was probably a little more modest than he is in this story. But it, this maniac of the gatherings. Let's begin reading verse number one of chapter five. And they came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the gatherings. And when he, that's Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of, the man, out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. We'll continue reading in a moment here, but I want you to consider this man here and his condition. Here's a man who I think has his own just specific story of what God did here, but I I also think this is representative of, of our world around us today. We see a man here who could not be stopped by those around him and could not be helped by those around him. It said he had been often been bound with fetters and chains. And later on, we, we see that Jesus tells him to go to his friends. He, he had acquaintances, people who had known him in his former life. But you look at his condition here, and it is a situation that is utterly hopeless in the sight of men. Nobody could help this man, and nobody could stop him. I think you look at the world around you, and you see this condition all over this world. Situations when you really stop and consider it, the, the entrenched false religion that addiction that has destroyed a life. And you see people's situations and we sometimes just feel like there is nothing I can do. This person is so lost. They are so blinded in their sin or in their false religion or in their, uh, in their contentment with the pleasures of this life. There is nothing that I can do. And I think really God gives us this story for a reason. We see a man that without uh, God's intervention, there is absolutely nothing anybody could do for this man. But you see verse number six, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Folks, when Jesus enters into any situation, that is a different situation than it was before. It is completely different when Jesus Christ steps in than when Jesus is not there. And there are hopeless situations that all of us are aware of, whether it be mission fields or, or lost loved ones or neighbors or coworkers who are blinded and seemingly closed and hardened. And I want to tell you this morning that there is not a situation in our world today that Jesus Christ doesn't have the ability to completely change. Look at this man's situation, verse number seven. And he cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For, Jesus, for he, Jesus, said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. This is a sort of confusing chapter as you read he, and for he said, and what is your name? And, and that's kind of the battlefield that we're in right now. What is even going on? Who are we dealing with? This man's name said his name was Legion, for we are many literally oppressed and afflicted by many demons. What a complicated, confused, and sad, beyond hope situation here. Those demons, though, even acknowledged who Jesus was. They, they acknowledged him. Jesus here is begged by them not to torment us. 
Verse number 11, now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. I want you to think about that phrase. Forthwith Jesus gave them leave. Here we have a difficult situation. A man that nobody could help, literally oppressed with a legion of devils. And I want you to see when Jesus enters into this passage here, And I want you to think of whatever complicated scene you're dealing with. Is there a tug of war that commences here? Does Jesus have to wrestle with this man to get these demons to do what he tells them to do? It says, forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. Jesus had authority in this situation to deal with the demonic influence in that man's life, and he simply gave them permission to enter a new home, which were pigs. Does this strike you as an imbalanced situation here? It ought to. Jesus Christ is not, on a, is not the same as demonic powers. He is far above all principalities and powers. It is not a wrestling match or a tug of war between this man's sin and Jesus Christ, between this man's oppression and Jesus Christ. And I think the illustration that we see next here is fitting here. This is Jesus with all power and authority stepping into the scene. And Jesus gave them leave in verse 13 there. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. This is a startling situation that happened here. And for me as a young man growing up in the Midwest, I was, it's sad, but this is the case, I was sometimes more struck by the fact that 2,000 pigs just died here. That was a lot of money that just got wasted. As opposed to a man sitting there clothed and in his right mind that had been totally afflicted. I think sometimes we miss the point here. And uh, I, I was talking to a pastor friend at one of our supporting churches in Kansas, and he asked me, he said, do you know of any other story in the Bible where there are anything of lar- in large quantities drowned? And he's asking me, why do you think Jesus did this for this man? And I was thinking about that, and, and uh, you know, I was, I was struck with the reality. The only other story like this is when God destroyed Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. They're not coming back, in other words. This enemy is defeated permanently They're not coming back. They're gone. They're done. This man was delivered, was freed from his problem there with those devils. It was a permanent deliverance. And this man is sitting there clothed and in his right mind. Where are we going with this? Look at what Jesus says to him here. And just think of, as we think about this man's story, it's interesting to note that Jesus was not immediately praised for this. Those that saw it were not immediately fans of his. And they begin, they see, uh, verse 17, they begin to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. So here we see this man that had been delivered. It causes quite the commotion in the area. And this man's response is that he wants to stay with Jesus. I think a very normal response. There have been trials and challenges in my own life uh, And there are days that I wish, I I am so thankful for the indwelling reality of the presence of the Spirit of God in my life, that he never leaves us. There are days, though, where you go through trials. I've wished the Lord would just set up a personal office where I could go. And when you're you're tired, when you're discouraged, you just want to be with him. And uh, I thank the Lord for the reality that he did. He made us his temple, and he's with us. And we can meet with him anywhere and anytime. 
I thank the Lord for that reality. And this man's response was the same. He just wanted to be with Jesus, wanted to stay with him. Look at what Jesus says to him, though. Verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now we took that time to set this up. The actual message this morning is, is brief. This is the context of that message. But it is this idea of telling your story. Jesus delivered this man and then immediately commissioned him to go and tell his friends what Jesus Christ had done for him. I think sometimes we feel that we need to pass a, a two-month discipleship course before God is able to use us in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not against discipleship. I am for it. And I'm not saying that a pastor in a church doesn't need to be trained and studied. And I'm not saying we don't work with people. But I am saying this, that one of the principles for getting the gospel to everybody is to give every person that trusts Christ this vision of how God wants to use them immediately to see their friends and family reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because after all, this man was going out and not waxing eloquent all this truth that he knew from the Bible. He was going out and telling what had happened to him. And God used what God had done in his life to arrest others' attention and to draw them to Jesus Christ. It wasn't this man's eloquence. It wasn't his intellect. It was what Jesus had done for him. And I think it's wise to handle the scripture well and to know what the word of God says and, and, and teaches. But we also need to let the word of God speak here when it says, we see in this story a man immediately sent to tell others what Jesus Christ had done for him. Now, your story may not be as dramatic as this man's, but my, my point this morning is to encourage you to remind you of what Jesus Christ has done for you and to remind you of who Jesus Christ is himself and to remind you of what Jesus Christ has commanded this morning so that you might be encouraged to continue doing what you've already been doing or to begin doing what God has commanded you to do and also so that you may understand how God intends to get the gospel to every part of Cameroon or the state of Virginia or whatever mission field God has called you to. This morning, I want us to simply see three simple truths when it comes to telling your story to remind us of how to actually do this. Because I don't think this morning any of us would argue the, the fact that we're supposed to get the gospel. There are those that invent theologies that excuse them from this. But if you let the word of God say what it says, every believer is responsible to give the gospel and to have a part in discipling and bringing others into the fullness of God's will for their life. How do we do this? As we look at our story, maybe, maybe your story isn't dramatic. Maybe you, like me, were led to the Lord as a five-year-old child, heard the gospel for me. I heard the gospel as a young man, and I'll give a little more of, of why that's a big deal, but the reality is I heard the gospel because my parents made the choice to be in church that morning. And every time the doors were open, and as a military man, my dad made the decision not to live on base, but to locate his family near a gospel-preaching, Bible-centered church so that his children could hear the gospel. And he drove 45 minutes to base instead of the five minutes because he wanted us under the sound of the preaching of the word of God. He didn't know what all to do as a father and as a husband. He was growing in all those things. But I thank God that I heard the gospel early and often so that when I trusted Christ, it was, uh, it was a testimony of God's goodness. I used to think, I don't have a story. I got saved when I was five, but there's a lot to the story. This morning, though, when it comes to telling your story, 
How do we keep focused, keep from being discouraged or distracted from this? And I would say there are three, three simple realities. Number one, we need to consider Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number three says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And as we see in this passage here, this story shifts in verse number six when that maniac saw Jesus afar off and ran and worshipped him. I say that you need to consider Christ for who he is. You say this morning that you know Jesus, that you believe Jesus, but when it comes to sharing your own testimony here or telling your story and the fear and the distraction and the complications, you need to see Jesus Christ as he is, as God with all authority who died for you, who's with you. Not just, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but do you recognize him for who he is? This man's response demonstrates that he saw Jesus for who he actually was. I think sometimes we forget who Jesus is. We forget that he's our enabler, our helper, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, and we forget all of these wonderful truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. We get all wrapped up about, I can't go soul winning. I can't give a track out. I can't tell my lost loved one about the Lord. And we get so focused on us and on them that we forget who Jesus is. And this morning, I would say that if you want to be involved in telling your story, in telling what Jesus has done for you, you need to consider Christ. You need to get back to remembering who he actually is today, right now. You need to recognize that he is Lord, he is on the throne, he's making intercession for you, he's for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? You need to get your focus off of you, off of that lost person that is hardened, that you don't think is receptive, and get your eyes back on the fact that Jesus Christ has all power and all authority, and he's with you, and he died for the sins of all the world. You need to consider Christ not just all the problems that is involved in telling your story. Secondly, you need to consider what he has done for you. This man here is fresh out of being delivered from 2,000 demons. Maybe you've been saved for a week and you're still rejoicing in the fact that you know where you're going when you die. Maybe you've been saved for a long time and you've forgotten what it is to go to sleep wondering where it's going to happen to you when you die. You've forgotten what it is to wander around this life as a lost man, doing your best but not really knowing what life is about because you don't know God. You need to consider what Jesus Christ has done for you this morning. If the gospel and telling others about Jesus seems like a hard thing or an impossible thing or a difficult thing, you need to get back to looking at what he's actually done for you. I thank the Lord this morning that when someone says the name Jesus, it's not an unfamiliar thing to me. I was shocked. I remember going on an outreach in college and we went down to the University of Iowa, right in the heartland of America. And I remember I had grown up not far from there and I remember thinking, this is interesting. And, and, and I met a man, started witnessing to him as we were encouraged to do. And here's a young man studying at the University of Iowa who had never been in a church one time in his life. When I asked him if he knew who Jesus Christ was, he said he knows that Christmas is about Jesus and he knows that his name gets used a lot, but I really couldn't tell you who he was. I don't know anything about him. That wasn't... Nothing, nothing to do with him. Didn't grow up in any way, shape, or form connected with Jesus Christ. Folks, if you know who Jesus Christ is this morning, if you have a Sunday school education, you have something to talk about. You have something that God can use. You need to consider who he is. You need to consider what he's done for you. If you're sitting here and you know anything about Jesus Christ, that alone is a privilege right there, to have a knowledge of God. It's an amazing thing that we forget sometimes in our culture, I think. Thirdly, we need to consider this third element here, and that is that it is a command. Consider Jesus Christ for who he is. Consider what he's done for you, but you need to consider that this is a command. Jesus said, no, you can't stay with me. 
Go home and tell your friends what God has done for you. Do you this morning consider your role in the Great Commission optional? Do you consider it for those who are gifted and eloquent and special? Or do you consider it as applying to you? It is a command. Jesus told his disciples to go preach the gospel, teach them everything I'm telling you right now, which means every believer is to be laid this charge. You need to be giving the gospel. You need to go and tell what Christ has done for you. I want to illustrate this just briefly this morning with a situation in Cameroon. I think it would be helpful so you understand how this works. Uh, We need to give the gospel. We need to see Jesus for who he is, and we need to uh, remember what he's done, and we need to remember the command. But do you know that God knows how to use your simple testimony. He knows how to use your story. This story isn't about you anyway. It was a, it's about what he's done, and God knows how to empower it in special ways. I'll give you one specific story. I could tell a lot of them, but I can think particularly in 2015, I was there with my brother and two different missionaries, and, and uh, because we had grown up in a military family, my dad uh, got out when I was about 10. He spent 20 years in the service, Uh, we had that awareness of the military. But in Cameroon, it's a different situation. The military are not respected and honored by the people there. They are rather viewed as enforcers, which in many cases they are. They are are not uh, a hero. There's no children walking up to them on the street saying, thank you for your service, sir. There's none of that going on. There aren't chaplains for the most part in the military, and it's it's a different scene there. And my brother and others there began to be burdened for that situation. Below uh, missionary Tom Needham's home in the mountains there was a military base for the training of the Brigade of Rapid Insertion, the BIRs as they're known in Cameroon. And at that time in 2015, they were being trained specifically to go to the north to deal with the Boko Haram insurgency, which was spreading from Nigeria into Cameroon. And these were, in a sense, these were special forces soldiers being trained for a very difficult mission. And as we were living there in the mountains of Sabaga, we could hear them training in the mornings. You'd hear them running up and down the hills chanting. And let me just say, if you have respect for natural uh, physique and strength, if you see some of the athletes that come out of the African nations and their amazing abilities, if you have respect for the athletes that come from Africa, you need to meet an African soldier. Men who are trained not to score points, but to kill and to defend and to be soldiers. These are tough men. And as that burden began to grow, Lord, what about these men? We have no access and and there's not really an open door. You know, God knows how to open doors to reach those that he died for. And God uh, connected my brother with a saved officer from that that platoon, from that unit. Sam was able to get to know him, found out he was saved. He was an English speaker, which is not a common thing in the military there. They're mostly French speaking. And through process of time, God began to use that contact to open a door of opportunity to go to that base and much prayer went into this and much communication for months and months and Bibles began to be collected. Different chaplaincy groups were giving military armed forces themed Bibles and French-English copies and, and uh, English or just French. Just There was a lot of preparation for this day. And finally the day came where we were allowed to go to the base but we weren't sure what was going to happen. And for time's sake, I won't give every detail but we'll just say this, that it was a big deal and there was a lot of fear. How is this supposed to work? What are we going to get to do? What is it even like there? What are they going to say? What are, they going to, are they just going to let us stay in a corner with these Bibles? What's going to happen? Are they even going to let us on? You never know. It, it, there's a lot of variables there in Africa. You just never know. But God opened the door. He, he gave contact. And I remember, long story short, being taken to the assembly ground where there were three different regiments of BARs in full battle dress. Their officer stands there 
tells them something in French that I did not understand, basically telling them, you listen to these men. Now, that's not a common thing. Military men aren't generally open to religion. They're told, in many cases, God has no plan for you. You're, you're ours, just be done with this idea of God. So this idea of a, of a white man talking about God didn't make any sense to many of them. But God used the simple testimony. My brother got up, was given the platform to say whatever, and understood that he was going to have an opportunity to give the gospel and was asking God, he'd, he'd prayed. He decided to give his own testimony, how his soldier father became a righteous man and how his soldier father led him as a 10-year-old boy to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he began in Acts chapter 10 to give them the gospel that God does love soldiers, that God can save soldiers, and that God can enable them to live righteous lives. And he began that whole story with his own testimony. And I watched God take a simple testimony of a soldier leading his 10-year-old boy to the Lord to arrest the attention of those soldiers and to open up their hearts and minds to the gospel. And it wasn't this amazing story of how this, this, this complicated story of, of, of salvation, even like this man in, in this story, but it was a simple story of how God used a soldier to lead his son to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God used that story of what he had done to open those hearts and minds. And at the end of that time, every single piece of scripture we brought with us was taken. There was no shame. Amen. They all took them. You know, many of those men are most likely in eternity now. The fighting that has gone on in the country the last seven years since then, many of those men are probably in eternity. Do you know they all heard the gospel though? They had access to the word of God and that's what God wants to do if we'll let him. If we'll look for God to use us and get our focus off of our, 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 our inabilities or get our focus off of the hardness of the situation. This morning I would simply ask you, when is the last time you told your story? And I would ask you this week, Ask God to show you how to obey this and do it this week. Consider who Jesus Christ is. He knows how to help you with this this week. Consider what he's done. How can you not tell somebody what it is to be forgiven of sin? Consider that it is a command. You have a choice in this, but it is a command. And I think if you understand this principle, you understand this is how the gospel gets from one village to another village to another village to another village. Because as you see people saved and you equip them and you train them in the word of God, you give them this principle and they want to go tell what others what God has done for them. You want to be bored in the Christian life, don't tell anybody about the Lord. But uh, if you want to see God do amazing things, get involved in telling others what Jesus Christ has done with you and you'll see God take weak people and use them to tell about an amazing God. This morning I'm looking forward to what God's going to do with this missions conference. We're greatly encouraged already to be here but I'm also looking forward to the greatest opportunity we have this week, which is me and you finding somebody this week that we can tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as, as important as this meeting is, what's more important is somebody who has never heard this or never understood the gospel. There's people represented in this room who have never heard and need to hear. I can't tell them all, but I think if all of us will be yielded to what the word of God says here. Even more exciting, and I love missions conferences, Pastor. I, 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 it thrills me. But there's nothing like seeing somebody who's never heard the gospel hear it. It's an amazing thing. And God wants to do that all over this area this week. And I'm looking forward to what God will do as we all obey him in these things. Consider telling your story this week is my request. Consider doing what Jesus Christ has told you to do because he is who he is and he's done what he's done. Consider obeying him and you'll get to really 
partake in the greatest joy of being a missionary, which is simply telling others about Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.